Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. So welcome again. And if you have not been here with us lately, we're going through the book of Acts. And today we're in chapter 9. Uh, which is just a phenomenal chapter of Scripture, and I've probably said that about every chapter we've looked at so far. The book of Acts is just so filled with drama and uh, exciting at every turn. And so we're in chapter 9 today, and as we dive in, I just want to say, you know, I think that all of us, all good people, and you are all good people, obviously, want to make a positive difference in the world right? I mean, some of us have specific goals, like we want to do one specific and great thing, like Amazon has the goal to like have all their trucks be green by the year like 2050 or something like that. They have a very specific goal. Uh, Others of us just want to do good as we go about our way. We want to give other people a smile. We want to make uh, a child's day better and give, give them something to laugh about. We want to I mean, greet the, the waiter or the cashier at the uh, supermarket and help them just to have a better day. And we want to do good in these general ways. Well, the Apostle Paul wanted to make a difference in the world, and his intentions, he thought, were very good before he came to know Jesus, right? You guys know the story of Saul. He was first mentioned in chapter 7 as he stood over and watched the coats of the young men who stoned Stephen. And he uh, immediately begins to rise to power. And, and as he rises to power, he thinks he's making a positive difference in the world. His purpose was to be a Pharisee. He was trained by the very best, uh, a, a man named Gamaliel. It would be like going to a Harvard Business School, right? If you're going to be a Pharisee, that's the guy that you want to study under. And he was passionate about being a Pharisee. And so anyone that got in the way of that was a direct threat to his way of life, to what he saw as being good in the world. So he made it his life's mission to stamp out anyone who had to do with the name of Jesus. The only problem with that is is he was passionate about being a Pharisee and passionate about his Jewish faith and tradition. He was passionate about the wrong thing. And if we're going to be a people who make a difference in our world today, we've got to be passionate about the right thing. Let's dive into Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. He went to the chief priests and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus, so that if he or anyone he found there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. So after Stephen's death, Saul goes on the warpath, and he makes it his life mission that he's going to stamp this thing out come hell or high water. Like I said earlier, the only problem was he was passionate about the wrong thing. You can't be passionate about the you cannot be passionate about the wrong thing and make a positive difference in the world. Uh, we see that later on in life, Paul will recount his own passion and his zeal uh, for the Jewish faith. He says in Philippians chapter three, "For we are the circumcision 
who worship God by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ and put no confidence in the, in the flesh, though I myself have confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, absolutely blameless. He would go on in Galatians chapter 1, and he would add to that saying, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. See, Paul was passionate about the Scripture, but he was more passionate about tradition. You ever know somebody who is passionate, but they're just passionate about the wrong thing? Like, you ever seen that in the church world, right? Like, you guys could all probably go around and share stories of people. It was more about the way we do things. Like, we've got to only do the Lord's Supper this way. There's no other way to do it. Maybe you grew up in a liturgical background, and if you didn't do things the exact way, you probably got talked to uh, after service about how it was not done in the right way, and you did not honor God. I remember there used to be a man in our church who would get on to me every time I wore a hat in church. And he would say, hey, listen, you're not honoring God. Tradition, right? And and so in the church, we've got to be very careful that we don't let things like tradition or or saying things like, well, we always do it this way, get in the way of actually serving Jesus. See, the problem with Paul was he had the scriptures right in front of him, but he missed Jesus because he was so passionate about the scriptures. He misunderstood. He missed the Messiah. His passion and zeal blinded him to the truth of the Messiah. Anybody have a friend who's really passionate like that? You think about who that person is? Like if you can't think about that person, it, it, it's probably you, just FYI. <laughs> In our family, it's my sister. And uh, most of you have met my sister before and. She's this short little petite thing, and she's real cute, and you think, oh, she's real nice. But I guarantee you, it would take no more than five seconds for me to get her so riled up, she wouldn't be able to calm down for 15 minutes. And I used to do that as a kid all the time, and it was so much fun for me. Anybody else do that? Some of you still do it as adults, I know. But the point is this, right? Paul was passionate. He was passionate about the Jewish traditions He was not passionate about finding the Messiah. And I think a lot of times in in church world, like we get passionate about the wrong thing. And sometimes we get passionate about things outside of church, right? Like I get passionate about football. I was talking to Brooke today and I told her, I was like, listen, I just have a feeling this year that the Texas Longhorns are going to have a breakout year and the Texas Aggies are going to have a terrible year because they don't have a quarterback. I mean, I'm passionate about football, right? And you guys have things that you're passionate about and hobbies that you have. But as a, as a people, as we seek to make a difference in the world, we got to make sure that we're not so passionate about other things that it takes the place of our passion for Jesus Christ. Because if we're going to be a people who truly make a difference, the priority is clear. You can only be passionate about one thing, and his name is Jesus. 
Secondly, you want to live a life that makes a difference, you got to be humble. Let's jump back to the scripture real quick. Verse 3. Paul set off, and when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? He said, who are you, master? I am Jesus, the one you are hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In the city, you'll be told what to do next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but they couldn't see anyone. And while Saul, picking himself up off the ground, found himself stone blind. They had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. And he continued blind for three days. He ate nothing and drank nothing. Now you talk about humbling, right? Here's a man who might have been the most powerful man in Jerusalem at the time. He was on the warpath. He was putting Christians in jail. He'd obtained letters to go to Damascus to do the same thing there. Basically, they said, hey, Paul, you want to be the man? We'll give you permission to do whatever you want to stamp out this whole Jesus thing. He was filled with pride, filled with zeal, filled with passion, but again, all about the wrong thing. And so the Lord takes matters into his own hands and he strikes Paul right there on that road to Damascus and said, this far you will go and no further until you serve me. And I'm telling you, it is easy for us to get filled with pride in the Christian church. In fact, I think it's part of the life cycle of being a Christian, right? Like before we meet Christ, it's easy for us to be proud because we have all the answers and we know why we're not going to follow Jesus and We know what we are going to do and what we aren't going to do. But then we all come to that moment, that moment of salvation, where we've really got to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I don't have all of the answers. I don't know everything. And I'm a sinner in need of saving. And it takes humility to be able to do that. But then we, we begin to learn and grow as a Christian. We begin to have some Bible knowledge and we learn some theology. We get involved in church and we start serving. And then all of a sudden that pride starts to creep back up again. And it's not too long before then we have all the answers. And the pastor gets kind of boring because his messages are the same over and over again. And if you say amen right now, (laughs) kidding, you would, wouldn't you? (laughs) And we've read the Bible, pastor gets boring, and all of a sudden we need something deeper. Or as a young man I talked to a couple of weeks ago said, I need something more. The only problem with that would be that the person who says that, I'm going to bet you a lot of money, is not having regular quiet times, is probably falling into some sin somewhere along the way, is not serving Jesus and being a witness for him, and is looking for an experience to fill the gap in his soul that ought to be filled by Jesus. And what would be better is for you to go off and find the best concert that you can find, whatever that is for you. Go spend three hours there and then come home and get busy serving people and serving Jesus. Get busy sharing the gospel with the lost people. That's what more is, my friends. It's not some uh, amazing experience that we come to just so that we can feel good about ourselves and leave. That's not more. That's not biblical. We don't find that in the Bible anywhere. What we find more is, is what happens to the Apostle Paul where he humbles himself so that God can use him to do great and mighty things. It takes a humble, 
person to be able to serve the Lord and to make a difference in this place. You know, when, we're, when we come into that place where we're filled up with pride again, we really enter back into uh, child stage. And Paul says, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 13, uh, when I was a child, I thought like a child. And you guys have all seen my precious little daughter, Haley, who's two. And you guys have had kids, and you know how two-year-olds act. Well, that's mine. I want that. It's all about me. Life is all about her. If I tell her she, she needs to do something, it's no. No, 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 no. Or it's, hey, daddy, go over there. Go away. Go away, daddy. Because I've told her not to do something. She wants me to go away so that, you, that she can do that. You guys have been there, right? You give them a toy to play with, and then you try to take it away. No, it's mine's with an S. It's mine's, right? But how often do we do that with God? How often does the Lord put something on your heart that, man, it's time to get back to church. We say, oh, Lord, I'm busy. I got things going on. It's time to get busy reading your Bible and praying for your lost friends. God, don't you know I have so much going on? I'm so stressed out right now. I can't even think straight. Don't you know you need to call this friend over here who's hurting? Lord, can't you see my schedule is booked all day? I, don't, I can't do that, God. What about me? I, God, I'm stressed out. I need to relax. And we tell the Lord no. Or, or maybe you have an inkling to go back to an old sin. You're like, hey, God, can you just look over there for just a couple of minutes? Will I go back to my old sin over here? Don't we play that game with the Lord all the time? But when Paul finishes that verse I mentioned a minute ago, he says, when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. See, it's okay for a two-year-old to act like a two-year-old because a two-year-old is still a child. But for someone who's been following the Lord for a long time and who's grown up and has the wisdom and the knowledge and the ability to know better, we're going from an adult and going backwards to a child. And so for us, it is imperative that we remain humble, that we remain teachable, and that we allow the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to us and that we would be faithful and obedient. See, Paul was humbled. And the question is, do you want to be humbled or will you go ahead and just make yourself humbled before the Lord? I love Galatians 2.20. Most of you could probably quote it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Either Jesus gets to be king of everything, or he's not king of anything. And so as a church body, we've got to be humble before the Lord so that we can make a difference for Christ. Thirdly, to live a life that makes a difference, you need a coach. You need a coach. Look at verse 10. There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias. And the master spoke to him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, master. He answered, get up and go over to Straight Avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus. His name is Saul. He's praying there, and he's had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Ananias protested, you can't be serious. 
Everybody's talking about this man and the terrible things he's been doing and the reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priest that give him license to do the same to us. But the master said, don't argue, go. I've picked him as my personal representative to go to non-Jews and to kings and to Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he's in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. So Ananias went and found the place, or found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul and said, Brother Saul, the master sent me. The same Jesus you saw on your way here, he sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Now let's talk about Ananias for just a second. That's one good dude right there. He was faithful. He was spending time with the Lord. He was listening to him. Now I know he argued a little bit, but he was obedient and he was bold as he went to Saul. I mean, I'm with Ananias. I'm like, God, you don't know what's going on over there. I, I don't think you really know who Saul is. Like, you talking to me? Like, don't send me, send somebody else. Send the other Ananias from across town. He can go, not me, God. I'm not going to jail. I'm not going to prison. Uh, don't, don't make me walk down that road, Lord. That would have been what I said. But Ananias was, was faithful, and he was obedient. And listen, church, it, I think we sometimes get so distracted by the Apostle Paul. Saul becomes Apostle Paul if you hadn't picked up on that one. And we get amazed with his grand mission and all of the incredible things that he does. But really, there's only one Apostle Paul. But I believe if you and I were to follow the example of this one, Ananias, the whole world would look a whole lot different. And so I just got to lay it out before you. Like, are, are you someone like Ananias? Like, are you faithful in your time with the Lord? Are you faithful to listen, to be open to what the Lord says? When you hear from him, are you obedient? Are you bold in your faith going? And I mean, can you think about how Huddle would be different? Like, like what if each one of us was like that and allowed our schedule to be interrupted and was able to leave the things that we know we need to do or maybe have to get done, went out of our way and gave a word to someone who was struggling, who needs to come to know the Lord Jesus? Can you imagine how different life would be? It'd be incredible. People would be coming to know the Lord all the time. We've got to follow that example. But I said, if, if we're going to live a life that makes a difference, we all have to have a coach, right? Even the Apostle Paul had a coach. His name was Ananias. As Ananias went there, he was explaining the gospel to him, able to open his eyes to the scriptures to see how Jesus really was the Messiah. And then, then he encouraged him, get in the game, Paul. Go and start witnessing to all the believers here in Damascus. And, and I'll tell you, I think we as believers, I think every single one of us needs a coach. Notice I did not say we don't all need a teacher. We need a teacher when we're new to faith. We need to learn some things. We need to have some, uh, a foundation that is set before us. But once we've learned that, we need a coach. We need someone to say, Stephen, go out there and go get him. Brooke, I, here's what I have laid out for you. Here's the play design. Now let's go execute the play. 
We need someone to say, hey, get off the bench. You've been talking to this lost person for, for three weeks and you've not mentioned the name of Jesus yet. They don't even know you go to church. Let's get with it. Let's be on mission for Jesus. We need a coach to keep us accountable. And so church family, do you have a coach? Who is the one who's pushing you in your faith? Who's the one who's encouraging you? Who's the one keeping you accountable? At the same time, who is it that you're taking under your wing? Who is it that you're coaching and saying, hey, we've got to do better than this. We've got to get in the ballgame here. We need to be uh, more bold in sharing our faith. See, even the Apostle Paul had someone to help him out, to get him going, and you and I need the same thing. Finally, a life that makes an eternal difference is a life that makes disciples. Look at verse 19. Saul spent a few days getting acquainted with the Damascus disciples, but then went right to work, wasting no time preaching in the meeting places that this is Jesus, that this Jesus was the Son of God. They were caught, caught off guard by this, and not all were sure they could trust him. They kept saying, isn't this the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem among the believers? And didn't he come here to do the same thing, arrest us and drag us off uh, to jail in Jerusalem for sentencing by the high priest? But their suspicions didn't slow Saul down even for a minute. His momentum was uh, up now, and he plowed straight into the opposition, disarming the Damascus Jews and trying to show them that this Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Saul got right to work. He knew immediately that if he was going to make a difference in the world, then he had to go and to make disciples. There's a lot of things that we can do that, that make a positive difference in this world. There's a lot of people we can talk to. There's a lot of organizations that we can be a part of. But if we really want to have an eternal impact, it comes down to only one thing, and that's making disciples for Jesus. And so church, I just ask you, where are you going to be a witness for Jesus? Who is it in your life that needs to know him and doesn't right now? Is it a family member? Is it a close friend? Maybe it's a neighbor that you live next door to. Whomever that is, church, we've got to be a people who are passionate about the right thing, who remain humble enough to listen to the leading of the, of the Holy Spirit to go and to be bold in our faith. We've got to be a people who, who've got that buddy beside us who's going to encourage us to get out the door so that we can make disciples and make that eternal difference. Church family, i got a great opportunity for you. You see, I set this up really well. If we want to make disciples, we got to be vocal about it. That means not just using actions, that means using your words as well. And we have an awesome opportunity next weekend, by the way. We're going to have family day in the park, and uh, it is literally like a no-pressure situation. There's going to be no singing, there's going to be no preaching. There's going to be no uh, like gospel message. It's strictly going to be relationship building. And so as, um, please ignore the, the light here. Sorry, that's distracting me too. So as we seek to be a church body who's making disciples and who's on mission with Jesus, the first thing we've got to do is build relationships with people. Because you don't want to hear a sales pitch from somebody you don't know, and neither do they. 
So let's be on mission. Let's build relationship. We're going to have fun and games in the park. We're going to have food. We're going to have drinks. And it's a no-pressure deal. And really, the whole point is so that we would bring our friends who are not connected to church and who don't know Jesus so that we might get to know them, to be able to set the foundation in relationship so that one day we might earn the right to share the gospel with them. But it starts with an invitation. And you and I, we got to take that step. Like, they're not going to show up if you don't invite them. I can't invite the whole town by myself. You guys know people I don't know. And we've got these wonderful little invitation cards that are sitting right back here behind this wall. And my encouragement to you is take one or two or three of those and those people you thought about that are maybe in your family or maybe they're close friends of yours and they don't know Jesus, go and give them one of those. Say, hey, my church is doing this this weekend and it's just a fun time in the park. There's there's no pressure. Nobody's gonna make you do anything you don't wanna do. Just show up and hang out with us. It'll be a great time. And we'll start right there and work on the rest later. So church, let's be on mission. Let's seek to make that eternal difference in our community. Would you pray with me? Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.